Welcome to OEM Industry Update, a weekly podcast examining the latest news and technology trends impacting product development teams in the heavy-duty on- and off-highway equipment industries. I'm Sarah Jensen, editor of OEM Off-Highway, and in this week's episode, I'll be speaking with Patrick Collignon, CEO and founder of Trova CV, about how the company plans to help with the acceleration of battery electric commercial vehicles. Was, was Let's take a listen traction. now. And, and again, it's it's such a game changer that um, you know there's so much inspiration and there's so much experience that you know uh, that is needed today for uh, this in this 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 massive dynamic that we see around alternative driveline vehicles. Mm-hmm. And some of that key, Sarah, is obviously going to be uh, ability to upscale. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I'm not talking about cars. I'm talking specifically commercial vehicles. And, and you need to have a new, innovative, low-cost model um, for upscaling. Uh, I think a lot of people today focus very much on the, on the driveline technology, which, of mm. course, is important. But even if you have the fanciest uh, drivelines and all of that, uh, the key will still be uh, the industrialization and the ability to upscale. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one of the, I think, missing elements today um, in, in, in this, this fascinating paradigm shift. Um, is, is first of all uh, the ability to upscale is, is what is that industrialization model going to look like mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people don't realize um, how much of that is going to shift by 2030 in the you can say in the slipstream of w- this whole dynamic that we see around changes in driveline, autonomous uh, connectivity of things uh, it's also going to have a, a massive impact uh, on how the actual factories w- will mm-hmm. change and mm-hmm. how that model, that manufacturing model will change. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, one of the exciting things, you know, um, to be in the midst of uh, the first phase of this paradigm shift. Uh, um, you know, me coming towards the end of my executive career within the large <laughs> OEM, um, last time I saw paradigm shift, I was at the very beginning. I was yeah. young, junior, uh, and I was in an educational phase of my life. And that was obviously the paradigm shift that happened around, you know, the, the mass production towards what we call today lean manufacturing. I mean, the role that Toyota played in, in you can say, redefining the industry and also, uh, to a large extent, how vehicles uh, are engineered uh, uh, came out of that paradigm shift that was mm-hmm. 35 years ago. Um, and again, uh, me personally at that time, you, you know, I just started my career. So you're into that learning stage. Mm-hmm. Now I, I feel uh, <laughs> at the end of, a, of an executive career that I can be part of uh, uh, helping uh, formulate uh, the content and, and maybe the agenda uh, of this uh, of this new, uh, much, much bigger paradigm shift uh, that we're almost like in the midst of the first stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's um, that's a little bit the the background of uh, of Trova versus uh, my previous life. Huh? <laughs> okay, so maybe could you be able to sort of talk about then what that paradigm shift would be, or kind of maybe we're starting with maybe how how Trova came about and what the overall goal is. 
for the company? Sure. Uh, I mean, it ties very much in with uh, what we just said, Sarah. I think there's a couple of things. If you take a picture right now, um, and I'm talking commercial vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of things missing. There's a couple of gaps. Uh, one gap is 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 a um, it's not so much a technology gap, but it's a, it's maybe a, a more important gap in the sense that um, the old established companies, OEMs, and and many of the newcomers, um, their starting point is still um, a diesel-based product, a mm-hmm. diesel-based chassis, and I call it Frankenstein-y. I mean, you. <laughs> Today, you have uh, uh, new technology, new driveline technology with new Lego blocks. Mm -hmm. uh, And we try to fit them into uh, an architecture that was never designed for those Lego blocks. Mm -hmm. Uh, The car industry is moving to the skateboard, so they're redefining a lot of the chassis and vehicle architecture. I think that still needs to happen to a large extent uh, on commercial vehicles, besides touching the the high-voltage EV architecture is how is the architecture of, of the, the physical vehicle going to evolve? Mm-hmm. I mean, caps were designed to accommodate uh, a massive diesel block engine mm-hmm. in the front with a massive heat exchange unit in the front. All of that is gone. So that will have its impact around the cab design. It will have its impact around the chassis design. So we wanted to take, um, for a heavy duty, class seven, class eight truck, we want to take a fresh look and redesign a chassis, proprietary chassis that is designed specifically to deal with these new Lego blocks um, and, and start from the ground up and, and build like industry had this for decades to design an architecture, a chassis architecture around the previous Lego blocks, the diesel, the diesel mm-hmm. driveline. So first to design a vehicle around um, uh, the EV components uh, has been a starting point. And the second thing that is missing is industrialization capability. What we're going to see is a, is a wide variety of um, um, uh, vehicle, uh, and I call it architectures, vehicle designs, mm. uh, because it's not clear today. Uh, and that's the exciting part. This is going to be battery electric. Are we going to have hybrids? Are we going to have fuel cells? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we going to have range extenders, maybe with gasoline engines and big blocks mm-hmm. versus... Um, uh, CNG engines that are used as part of a Siri hybrid system. There's so many puzzle blocks mm-hmm. in the air, um, and all of these will have a massive impact on industrialization unless we stay in a job shop mode. Mm-hmm. And as long as we stay in a job shop mode, which is good to build onesies, twosies, we're not going to see the acceleration of battery electric vehicles or zero emission vehicles into the marketplace. So we want to play a role by our established expertise and competence around manufacturing mm-hmm. uh, and our experience uh, around low to mid-sized production manufacturing, because that's exactly what this industry will need, rather mm-hmm. than this big, massive aircraft carrier that will produce 50,000 uh, of the same driveline vehicles. We're going to see alliances. We're going to see very interesting um, changes in the manufacturing of these products based upon the diversity that will come uh, driven by the underlying uh, uh, driveline solution. And obviously, in the slipstream of that, and you already see that with some of these uh, automotive startups, you're going to see total new um, experiences, uh, user experiences that come with uh, this, this, this shift uh, 
uh, that maybe originally is incubated by, by the drive line, but becomes much bigger. And, and so we want to be part of, and, and our past proven performance is that industrialization, um, uh, what I think is, is missing. So uh, there we want to play an active role um, and obviously through our uh, chassis architecture. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, in essence, how, uh, how Trova came to life, uh, to be part of this paradigm shift and to add our little part into mm-hmm. this massive, exciting dynamic that is going on, mm-hmm. uh, specifically down to Class 7 and Class 8 uh, mm-hmm. commercial vehicles. Okay. And so it's just then Class 7 and 8 vehicles that you guys are working with? For the time being, yes. Uh, okay. Obviously, uh, it's easy to dream big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, th- there's obviously uh, very logic spin-offs that can come out of that. I mean, we call it downsizing uh, mm-hmm. from a class uh, seven to a class six uh, or to a class five. Is, is at the end of the day, not that difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lot more difficult to upscale than it is to downscale in product development. Oh. Um, and that's but. There's already a landscape that is quite filled with companies that are pursuing step-in vans, uh, that are pursuing light and medium beauty. Uh, mm-hmm. We believe that there is a, we can play a role. Uh, we, obviously, history will tell how big, but we play a role mm-hmm. um, in, in the arena of, of the, in the very first place, the Class 7 and the Class 8 trucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so is it a, that you said it was a driveline system that you're providing? Is that, I guess, maybe can you go into that a little bit more? What exactly is it that Trova is doing well, or working I, on and providing? Right. Our expertise, Sarah, is, is, um, is manufacturing, is industrialization. Okay. That's mm-hmm. our expertise that we want to bring in place. We okay. want to uh, help the acceptance, acceleration, of, uh, in our case, battery electric commercial vehicles. Mm-hmm. And obviously, by doing so, we want to accelerate uh, the benefits to the environment, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and, and for us, it's more important, uh, the acceleration. And the way that we want to accelerate is because, again, our competence around innovative cost management. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, can pro- we can upscale. That's our background. We can upscale. We are not technology developers. Uh, I don't want to kind of drag down into years and years of technology development. We want to be fast to market mm-hmm. with uh, pricing that's lower. Uh, and you can only achieve that by uh, advanced manufacturing. That's our role. So our technology aspect is, is, is not a technology aspect where we want to develop components. Yeah. What we want to do is we want to buy off-the-shelf proven solutions. We're agnostic in a way uh, towards uh, the provider. Uh, or the brand, or uh, to a certain extent, maybe even the technology. Um, what we're looking for is, is, is more who can be our strategic partners to develop it now, but also tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, our expertise lies again in the vehicle architecture and chassis architecture. We have a proven experience in, in putting vehicles together. Uh, we don't have a proven experience in developing the next motor technology. We don't have a proven experience in developing the next battery. And instead of going into that track, what so many of the other startups are doing, we just want to buy off-the-shelf proven solutions. And we call it the Lego concept. Mm -hmm. We buy Lego blocks and we use those blocks to reconfigure a a new vehicle, uh, metaphorically speaking, a new house. Mm -hmm. And that's our approach, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And so then will you then, um, so you basically, so you kind of put the system together and then provide that to the OEM and will you, is that kind of the correct, I want to make sure I'm understanding that correctly. And then would you work with the OEM in some capacity or? Right now we, we see Trove as a standalone OEM. Okay. So we want to bring the product to market. I think okay. part of the paradigm shift and the different stages in the paradigm shift um, it doesn't require a PhD to understand that there will be a stage mm -hmm. where there will be a consolidation. And we kind of already see that on the automotive side um, between large established OEMs and newcomers in the industry. So there's going to be an, a massive dynamic uh, around the enterprise model, right? Mm -hmm. Around the alliances or some companies going to be bought by others and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, that that's, that's, that's out there. Yeah? That's in front of us. Right now, we want to bring product to the market as a standalone OEM, uh, as Trova. Okay. Um, so from that point of view, we don't have any existing relationships today with an OEM. I, I would not be against it, but <laughs> we are not pursuing that right now. Okay. Um, although it would make, again, a, a lot of sense uh, in line of what we just said, that, that um, you know, the, the alliance between an established OEM with, with a newcomer, with a startup, um, um, will be very powerful. What we're pursuing right now, Sarah, is uh, we want to use our experience around the vehicle and around industrialization or manufacturing uh, in the very first place to uh, target what we call driveline conversion. Uh, the D2E program, which we're developing, it's a diesel to electric driveline conversion uh, model. And what we want to do is, again, use our proprietary chassis, Sarah, because that's the base for everything else mm -hmm. that we're going to use. Uh, our chassis with then the EV architecture that we're putting together with off-the-shelf uh, solutions, uh, uh, CSC, uh, CCS connectors and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so we're putting that together. And what we're targeting is existing diesels there. Okay. If there's 4.6 million Class 7 and Class 8 trucks in North America. If we ever want to achieve these aggressive targets by 2030, you cannot get there by not touching the existing population. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly in a time period, first of all, try to buy one. Try to mm -hmm. buy a heavy-duty uh, battery electric commercial vehicle. Uh, good luck. Eh? <laughs> uh, the volume is not there. All right? mm -hmm. And if you want to get one, you're going to pay an arm and a leg right now. So mm -hmm. that's the problem. right? That's part of the problem that collectively we need to solve. So we need to bring volume out there. Maybe not the next level technology. Let's first sell what we okay. already know, right? Before we go <laughs> to the next thing. Right. We develop what we have today and we do that uh, by lowering the cost. Industrialization mm -hmm. is the means to lower the cost so that now it becomes truly interesting for fleets to buy. Not only do we have the cost right, but we can also provide uh, the volume. Mm -hmm. and, and then you have to keep in mind that we know that every component that I touch today will be obsolete by the time it's industrialized. There will mm -hmm. already be a generation three, a generation four, and that will happen for a while. So if you are a savvy techno type fleet buyer, are you gonna buy truly a new vehicle knowing that everything that's in that vehicle, by the time it's produced, it's obsolete? Or you are convinced that battery electric is part of your fleet. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not everything, but there are a lot of fleets today that are convinced that that can be part of their equation, their solution, their portfolio. 
But maybe it's far more interesting to take a truck that is already three years old, five years old, that is at that point where I need to do something with a, a motor revision anyway, right? Mm -hmm. uh, let's use that truck and we send it to Trova. And within 48 hours, they turn that into an electric vehicle. Okay. Uh, and you drive away with a brand new chassis, um, more stable, more durable to its components, uh, with the same problematic. Whatever technology in that vehicle is probably also obsolete in two years from now, but at least you didn't burn a full massive amount of money. Right. Uh, and maybe five, six, seven years from now, when technology will stabilize more, then I might buy new vehicles. So we mm. believe with the right approach that driveline conversion in the, in the next five years to come will actually play in volume a much larger role than the actual sale of new, um, of new heavy-duty uh, commercial vehicles. Mm. Uh, we see that dynamic already in Europe. And we want to take, uh, we have our unique approach here for North America. Uh, and the idea is that we don't do that in a job shop mode, uh, mm -hmm. but we do that in an industrial fashion. Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, and in the meantime, in the background, obviously we will continue to further develop our own products. So by the time that the, the whole driveline conversion model uh, is, uh, is, is phasing out, uh, we are ready with uh, a full, uh, full engineered, full integrated model. And that's how we believe we can be, although we're a latecomer with all the startups, uh, we, we can accelerate because we're not immediately targeting a complete end-to-end -end new vehicle, uh, mm -hmm. like a you know, fancy-looking Nicola or, or whatever, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. right. that takes massive amount of time and effort to do, uh, regardless right. whether you're an established industry or you're a new industry. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we believe that we can accelerate uh, the market acceptance by bringing product to market that is cheaper. So the driveline conversion is a whole lot cheaper than mm -hmm. having to buy a full brand new vehicle. Um, and you still have a perfectly good driveline that can take the vehicle another five, six years mm -hmm. uh, by the time that uh, there is much better technology uh, and, and stable technology available. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing these conversions, is there a lot of changes to the vehicle or maybe can you talk about that aspect a little bit? Like what, I guess, is there, like what is that integration or conversion process like? I guess the, the, the very simple version. And again, we are engineering it. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can't, unfortunately you can't buy it yet, eh? mm -hmm. but we're engineering the solution. And the idea is that we start with our proprietary chassis. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the very fundamental differences to uh, a job shop type kind of conversion. We start with mm -hmm. our chassis. That will also allow us to do a conversion in a very short period of time, right? Okay. Because we truly are targeting uh, that 48 hour turnaround, mm -hmm. which if we do that, that itself is a game changer. Right. Uh, so uh, by starting with our proprietary chassis and our EV architecture, meaning uh, uh, the, the driveline solution, the, the inverters, the batteries, the, all the, the, the high voltage air compressors, all of that um, mm -hmm. uh, is in the chassis. And then when you bring your truck, we will transplant the vehicle architecture of that truck onto our chassis. Mm -hmm. That work is obviously the work that we're engineering right now. Uh, but that means you would drive away, say, if you bring a, a freight line or whatever, uh, uh, you come, you bring it, we, we put our chassis underneath with the EV architecture, so we transplant the rest of your freight line or Volvo or 
international um, onto that uh, onto our chassis. This whole process obviously needs a whole lot of tuning uh, because we won't be able to do that for every truck in the market. That's clear. So we will have to define which segments, which are the applications, uh, who has the largest market uh, presence uh, for applications that are that are fitting such a driveline conversion. Mm-hmm. Right now, we can, you know, our very high-level market analytics show that based upon application, meaning range, driving range in between charging points, um, the age of the vehicles. We don't want mm-hmm. to do that with a vehicle that's 15 years old. Okay. Uh, we want to do that with vehicles a maximum five years old that have that 300,000 miles on the on the counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, outside of uh, OEM warranty, because you're not going to chop up a vehicle right. that you still have great warranty on. Right. Um, so uh, if you look at that population and with a couple of those simple definitions, you're talking about 400 to 600,000 vehicles today that are that could fall under such um, conversion program mm-hmm. that are there. So uh, that's, just, that's uh, out of the 4.6 million. That's mm-hmm. obviously our, our, our that's going to be our focus area. And then obviously we need to kind of further dissect that mm-hmm. 400, 600,000 population into mm-hmm. what we believe uh, fits our uh, means the best. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so is it, um, is, are you still determining that means or do you guys kind of have an idea of like, is it more regional haul or long haul types of applications? Is it all of it? What would maybe kind of be that range of applications? We're targeting like everybody else today in in battery electric commercial vehicles, uh, especially heavy duty. Mm -hmm. We're we're shooting for that 200 mile range vehicle. Okay. So it's regional haul. I mean, battery electric, everybody understands today that that is not the solution for long haul. And that's part of that very exciting dynamic, you know, Sarah, that we see is because we're going to be confronted with so much different technology. Mm-hmm. And think about this. Yesterday, our world was very stable. We were dealing with a diesel engine that all OEMs were further evolving towards fuel efficiency. We were mainly focusing on after treatment because that mm-hmm. was the whole thing, EPA, yeah. mm-hmm. after treatment and SCR, EGR, all of that. And think about it, you've been uh, in the industry that long enough to understand the turmoil that existed in 2010 around mm-hmm. EGR and SCR. And that was a small thing. And it <laughs> really shook the entire industry up, right? Mm-hmm. Think about now, we're not talking about a, a, a an after-treatment system, yeah. and I would say almost a bloody after-treatment system. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about entire driveline changes, mm-hmm. fuel feeding systems, you know all kinds of combinations. Can you imagine what kind of impact that not only has on the draft plans, but once you have to build more than a onesie and a twosie, how that is going to redefine what I call the industrial footprint. Mm-hmm. And again, I think the car industry is already leading in, in, in shifting some of that. Um, uh, it's interesting what Audi is doing in Europe with the e-tron and, and, and their rationale about choosing the site where to produce and and all of these things, you can see there is a, a new emerging uh, decision process around these things uh, that we've not seen before. And that's part of that total paradigm shift uh, that we will be seeing. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, battery electric uh, obviously has its its position 
in this uh, wide array of dry-fly solutions. And we're targeting, obviously, that 200-mile range application. And I think up to that 200-mile, there is probably right now a lot of consensus in research institutes that battery electric is the right solution. Um, mm -hmm. Hydrogen doesn't make sense if you have 50, 100-mile driving range. Uh, this battery electric is, is great for all applications where you have a lot of stop and go, where you mm -hmm. have... Uh, where you already have issues with aftertreatment. I mean, part of right. the challenges for uh, spotter trucks, uh, you know, the yard mules or whatever it's called, thermal trucks, or, or people that are, are shuttling short distances is the clogging of uh, the aftertreatment system. Uh, everything that has to do with that short distance stop and go, uh, they are faced with uh, quite a bit of uh, maintenance cost around uh, the SCRs and the aftertreatment. Huh? Um, so all those applications are perfect uh, to be battery electric. And, and again, I think battery electric uh, will definitely become the most cost-effective solution also uh, mm -hmm. versus far more complicated, far more integrated solutions. Mm -hmm. Once you go past a certain point, yes, range extenders, hydrogen, CNG combined with uh, all of that will play a role. But that's not what we're after. Mm -hmm. Beauty about the startup, you can make choices. Eh? Mm -hmm. and be very focused and right. we've chosen early on not to get distracted by fancy fuel cells <laughs> and uh, we just want to develop battery electric but we want to develop in a way that uh, we can be cost leading in the industry mm -hmm. okay makes sense all right um i think actually that's kind of all the questions i had for now i don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add or think our audience should know about what you guys are working on or doing oh well we're working on um, <laughs> uh, a couple other things also yeah. because in the background of the driveline um, we're obviously taking that rolling chassis mm -hmm. as i said that's going to be the base uh, for us to attach any other vehicle application to right um the rolling uh that rolling uh battery electric chassis uh is the base and so in the background obviously we're also working on a, on a, a new version of a spotter truck uh, which is a no-brainer with what i just said i mean part of the industry challenge is, is, is dealing uh, with uh, the issues around uh, maintenance of after treatment systems that's exactly where people are going to look for different solutions not because they are grants but just because it makes sense mm -hmm. um, and obviously you have all the benefits to the environment that comes with that but you really want to look for applications where it's just not uh, it's not just corporate social responsibility, but you truly uh, get into segments where it, it absolutely makes uh, sense uh, for fleets to step into because it lowers their their overall cost of uh, of operation. That's, mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's a couple of things that um, we we're working on in, in our pipeline that. Um, may not yet be subject for uh, for a conversation here, <laughs> but I certainly look forward to Sarah maybe at a later point in time uh, yeah. to talk about these things. Um, we also see the same dynamic in Europe. So right mm -hmm. now we have already a liaison office in Europe, okay. um, and and um, uh, not different than me. Uh, <laughs> many of uh, former uh, automotive executives. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in another life, I used to work for General Motors, so there's still a good deal of network in Europe from my old days. Uh, and they're pursuing the same model. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So right now they're actually uh, taking the same uh, business plan that we have in North America and they're uh, investigating the rollout of that plan in Europe. Uh, they see a lot of the potential, actually even on a larger scale than we see right now in North, Amer- in North America. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Europe is just a little bit further ahead in, in terms of mental acceptance that mm-hmm. zero emissions is going to be there we see that a lot of the targets are being pushed forward rather than pushed back. Mm-hmm. So some people are talking more about 2025 rather than 2030. Um, it's going to be interesting to see with the new administration here in North America, yeah. how that thinking is going to uh, mm-hmm. shift. Are we going to see some of that same, uh, same ambition, uh, same targets as what we see in, in, in some of the... Uh, more advanced European leading countries like Norway are one of those countries that has exp- uh, explicit um, um, uh, targets. Uh, and then obviously we will see uh, with those with that shift uh, in, in, uh, in, in administration um, how it will impact obviously uh, funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and that's that's part of the excitement here, Sarah is, is again, um, we're not just introducing a new model. We're not introducing, uh, per se, a new motor. Um, we are truly in the beginning, uh, I call it in the midst of that first stage of, of a true paradigm shift. And I think in 2030, the entire automotive industry will be redefined versus how it looks today. Mm-hmm. And it means in terms of how factories it will even look like. Uh, it's an opportunity, uh, and, and I think one of the common themes that we will find back is, is there will be a very strong foundation around the, the environmental, ecological way that, that factories look. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to be in a product that has a very strong zero emission, a very strong environmental motivation, uh, you can't leave the factories behind, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, in 2007, I, I was part of, of a team in Belgium that turned the Volvo plant into the first CO2 neutral automotive plant in the world. At that time, you know, that was quite novel. And I don't know how many other automotive plants in the meantime uh, have become CO2 neutral, not by buying credits, but by actually on-site green power, renewable power and uh, generation. I think those aspects is one example. Those aspects will become an integral part of this new industry. Mm -hmm. There is truly going to be a new generation of factories in the slipstream of uh, of, of, of this, uh, this whole um, uh, vehicle technology change. And with that comes a whole new model around aftermarket distribution, you name it. And, and mm-hmm. that's the exciting part that I don't want to miss out. Yeah? Yeah. Rather than sit on a white sandy beach uh, drinking <laughs> pina coladas at the end of a nice executive career, yeah. you know, why not be part of this here, right, Sarah? Right, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. Well, great. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today and provide insight on what you guys are doing and everything. Well, I appreciate your interest, uh, Sarah, because you play a key role in in, in further carrying out uh, this very important uh, mission. Uh, I think we all play a role in in Mm -hmm. defining the agenda for this paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Each and every one plays a role. And that's the beauty about paradigm shift. It's, it's not about one person. It's not about one company. It is truly the sum of the industry that is, is piggybacking, is, is you know, um, uh, in a way, maybe even helping each other to, to reach that, that point where we need to be 
in order to create a better world. Um, and, and we all uh, have been part of the problem. At the same time, we can all be part of the solution, or we need right. to be part of it. Right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of OEM Industry Update. Thank you again to Patrick for providing his insights into the paradigm shift taking place in the commercial vehicle industry. And be sure to tune in each week for another episode to stay up to date on our ever-changing industry. Thank you.